live with an emergency episode of the business we've chosen. I got a text from Rick when I woke up this morning and uh, he was fired up to do a pod and 30 minutes later, here we are. Hey, to do it. Hey, to Rick is now the uh, <laughs> most interviewed guest or most um, been on the like, show the most. Three. This is the third. Yeah, this is the third. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, we're going to mix it up this time, right? Sure. You tell me. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking I would host this one. And okay. I'd ask you the questions. <laughs> you're always asking people questions, but no one's ever asking you. Okay. Well, what like do you how got? you feel? What's on your mind? Uh, where you been traveling? I'm in, Am- I'm in Amsterdam right now. Um, so it's 11.43 a.m. my time. Just woke up feeling fresh. Rick, um, at the tail end of a, a day, uh, almost five in Chicago. Um yeah. 5 a.m. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How often do you stay up till 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or don't sleep? Or oh, Are you pretty Never. regular? Never. No, not since college, probably. Like once or twice since then. It just so felt when, like the right night to do it. When do you usually wake up? Do you have like a bedtime and alarm and stuff? Like if you're betting? Uh, no, I don't. I don't do alarms anymore. I, I usually like... Um, I honestly can't sleep in anymore. I, I wake up around seven, maybe like eight at the latest. Um, if I'm really like, if I went out the night before and I'm like super hungover, I maybe it's like sometimes I like sleep like really late, but that's pretty rare. Yeah. So, when do you think you're going to wake up tomorrow? Eight. Well, we'll see when I go to sleep. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So you're in, you're in Amsterdam. You just woke up at 11, huh? That's right. You, yeah. You just I- get, you get jet lagged at all or like, well, I've been here for a while, but, um, I sleep pretty weird hours. I just kind of, um, work on something if I'm up and then go to sleep if I'm tired type, uh, schedule. So sometimes I'm going to sleep really early. Um, sometimes I'm up in the middle of the night and, um, does, so. does like, does traveling around, uh, ever interfere with your betting? Do you have to like make accommodations for that? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, there's t- some time zones are better than others. Only during college basketball am I like betting every day. Um, but right. when I was in New Zealand during one time, the times were pretty bad to where I'd be sleeping for a lot of the good betting action and I'd have to like consciously be setting alarms or staying up until three to then wake up at seven to, you know, like just mm-hmm. kind of nonsensical um, gotcha. stuff, especially with it, the game like, starting all over the, all over the map, you know, time I really... Yeah, I really only travel like uh, within the United States recently, but I like um, I've got all my stuff on my desktop, and so like I set up my laptop to like remote in. Yeah, and uh, I just like I find it hard to work just on like one like really small screen. Yeah, it's way harder. Like, <laughs> I know it's like first world first world problems, but no, it's makes a difference. Like, I've got this new MacBook now, which has a bigger screen, and you can plug in an iPad as like a secondary monitor. Oh, nice. So there's ways around it, but it's, yeah, having a nice setup, it definitely helps you. What have you been betting? I haven't bet anything in a few months. Um, oh, shit. Oh, I well. was huh. kind of gearing up for college basketball to start, and um, I'm going to start betting yeah. golf next week because I just Talking finished. with Dean? Talking with <laughs> Dean? Yeah, talking <laughs> with Dean fired me up to bet on college basketball. So um, I think I'm going to do like a – I end up every year basically redoing everything, you know, Um if you have like uh-huh. some new idea in the off season or whatever. So I have something from last year that I can kind of 
push some buttons and mostly will work, but I'm going to try to make a new um, button pusher. Okay, good. Um, what do you got? It's MLB season? Or like playoffs are starting or something? October? Play- playoffs start in a few days. Yeah, like uh, like five days because it's, uh, it's like pushed back a little bit because of the uh, like late start to the season. Okay. Due to the like the um, the strike or whatever. Oh. Union negotiations. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I had like uh the only like, I mean yeah MLB is fine. Uh, I had the Guardians to win the division and they clinched last week. So what happened about that? Like I have uh I'm from Ohio and I have like friends who are. Yeah. Winner. Never thought they'd live to see the day when the Guardians would take it down. <laughs> Well, they they were pretty good. Like they uh, played the Cubs in the World Series in like 2016. I think. That was the Indians, wasn't it? Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was the Indians. <laughs> Do they still get right. to lay claim to? How long have they been the Guardians? Is this season one, two? I think this is season one. Yeah. Okay, and already into the playoffs. Nice. Ball don't yeah. lie. Season don't lie. Yeah, yeah. I bought a uh, Class A shirt. He's their closer. He's sick. <laughs> Class A. I don't. I don't yeah. Everyone. Yeah, like uh, some French guy. It's it's like spelled place, but hey, this isn't really good content. But yeah, it's pronounced classe. Yeah. Um, so what, right, let's let's get back to golf. What do you think about the live tour? <laughs> what do I think about the live tour? You got thoughts on the live tour? I think I, I can probably guess what you think, but I think that the live tour is a brand new golf tour that somehow has equal to higher levels of um, propaganda to the current golf tour. Um, both of them are almost shocking to me when I watch them that it's not like cruel show, you know, it's not a parody, but it's just, yeah. um, it's a pathetic kind of, both of them are pretty pathetic. Um, so for different uh, reasons, I assume what was, so why is the PGA They both hype their own players up so much. And if you watch the live broadcast, it's like, well, um, let me tell you about the team element where we add up their scores. So you like do three scores added together, you know, we're now in week five of this or something, you know, I think the fans can get on board with simple addition if that's the secrets the announcers have, but it's like the announcers, um, they announce the game as if I have this information and I'm sharing it with you, not like the video is showing what's happening and I'm just going to talk over it. Um, I've been watching a little bit of the poker world series of poker main event broadcast in the background while I've been working uh, the last couple of weeks. It's kind of good uh, background noise. Yeah, and those sure. guys, um, Ali Najad and Nick Shulman are kind of like the exact opposite where they just let it um, be on the screen and occasionally say stuff. It's not like they're sharing it with you, but you know, the, the PJ tour is really like, let's take you out to 17. You know, it's, it's their honor to show you the information, not like, Oh, there's yeah, just this I information agree. that, we are showing you um so i don't know it's kind of similar propaganda obviously they're both going to like different political polls but in that sense they're both using the same like meta cognition of i'm gonna make a political tour right <laughs> like they're both gotcha. doing the same thing from opposite sides um i don't know if it's popular or not like i'm curious to see um so you don't you we don't have support... some in-laws who live in alabama so we're kind of down in the oh, south a little bit during the year i'm curious if like None of them would ever talk about golf, but if that would be like a hot take topic around the neighborhood or, oh, I actually went to a live tournament. I'm not sure mm. how they're um, how they're doing. It doesn't seem um, like it's a very... It's not very popular, right? 
doesn't seem very so, popular now. So do you do you or do you not support beheading journalists? Can I pin you down? Can I pin you down on this right now? I'm against it. Yeah. Okay. You can pin me down. Me too. I assume Greg Norman is as well, although I've never met the man, and he has a few beheaded um, animals in his house in Florida, but uh, ah, I don't think right. any humans. Yeah, it's a bit disappointing. The courses are very, very nice on Live, though. Um, they're probably yeah. PJ Tour has good courses, but Live is um, probably a little higher quality. I don't know if that's going to continue or if they um, could only do it this first year. Having the the political partnership with Trump, um, they've played two courses of his so far, and he owns a lot of high end courses around the world. So that might be why they're leaning into it that way to like retain. Maybe he gives them some sweet deal um, on using the course. I don't know what the um, economics of it look like. And I don't think anyone at Live is really, you know, looking at any economics. I think just checks are signed, whatever the number is. But um, sure. They got a lot of money. That's what I heard. Yeah. Hey, let me get this in because you mentioned Trump. Mary, fuck, kill Trump, Bernie, Obama. Go. <laughs> I don't really know how to adequately answer the question. <laughs> okay. You want to think about it and we can move, we can uh, come back to it? Um, sure. All right. Is golf modeling getting easier or harder? I don't know. I've never really done it um, very well. So this is the first time I'm ever trying to do it like uh, maximally well with kind of every piece of knowledge I have. No, see, so. I don't, I like, it sounds like uh, when I talked to you a few, like a couple of years ago after the pandemic, it sounded like what you were doing was pretty sophisticated. Well, I think that there's just different levels of sophistication. And if you want to like Kelly bet your bankroll at post on the bookmaker sides and stuff, um, you just have to be really, really good. And Is that um, what you want to do? Yeah, of course. Why not? Right. Like that's kind of like the highest um, in sports betting something is, betting it at the end for, you know, as well as you can. So if this doesn't work or if I needed to go deeper, I kind of want to see like how well I'm able to do that um, with the golf, but it's hard. There's, um, there's like infinite, infinite info to know. And um, there's a lot of adverse selection in the golf markets. So, so what, what recent improvements to your model have you made? If you, if you want to divulge that, if no. I, I think, I can't talk about anything Fair important. Enough. No. Fair enough. Okay. What are your thoughts on um, on Rufus? Is he better or worse? I don't know. Than I've never what uh, you've got right now from hearing. You see, he kind of. I can kind of do the same thing where um, the plays come out early in the week, and yeah, if you're like betting into some easy to beat market that people know how to beat, and you can coordinate betting it, like that's a high paying job. But um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of high paying jobs out there, and whatever. It's kind of. I don't know. It's it's not a very it's a tough high paying job because you have to juggle the accounts and deal with the people getting down for you. I don't know. It's just, um, there's kind of more bullshit than just betting that goes into it. Um, so that's the same like golf betting and any market that's like described as tough, um, is usually just because there's some low hanging fruit info that people know how to bet and it gets priced out of the market quickly by someone or, you know, the market's soon going to catch on to it or, it only lasts for the early limits when people yeah. aren't betting it. Um, but if you actually know more info than everyone um, or are using it better, then it doesn't really matter, right? Like you're not so worried about that stuff. So I don't know. Golf is tricky with um, there's always going to be the outlier cases of a guy is like on the range and hurt and you don't know about it. Um, mm -hmm. 
So that's that's a hard part of golf, especially with the time zones, because they're teeing off all day. Like, ideally, I'd like to be present the five minutes before each player tees off or each player in a matchup tees off. And, you know, if you could, like, have video of them on the range. Um, but, like, then you're talking about, like, real professional betting, right? Like, thinking about how to get um, videos of the guys on the range, which uh, could be done, right? I mean... Yeah, I, I question whether like people actually do that. Well, like I don't that, I don't know if they do it or not, but someone could do it, and someone that did it would be better than someone that didn't do it. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, how much? Um, oh, that's like, that's interesting. So, how much if you had that like, you know, say your your ROI is just like baseline two percent? What what do you think that would do to your ROI? Um, I I think it would only matter in uh, very, very rare instances, like maybe one time a week or, you know, one player every two weeks that is um, stretching with the trainer or is, I don't know, like whatever someone whose back hurts would be doing or like just moving around a little bit or you you see it a lot in golf. They'll pan to some guy mid-tournament who's, oh, you know, Tony Finau is having his back checked out um let's hope he's okay he's got the trainer but theoretically something like that might happen in the warm-up round and then the guy is like gonna give it a go or not um and maybe he's gonna play worse so we bet against him or maybe there's like you know a 17 percent chance he withdraws during the round in which case he's good at any number basically mm-hmm. so that sort okay. of stuff does happen occasionally um very very occasionally less often than a player um is hurt but sometimes you'll see a round matchup get bombed, like beyond all belief, in the 10 to 15 minutes before. And I'm pretty sure it's mm. somehow it's leaking out that like this guy's really, really hurt. I don't know if anyone explicitly has the um, video on the range. And probably not in golf, but like in other sports. And just the, you, you know, your competition, you can't just, if you wanted to do it better, thinking how can I do it better is more advantageous than just like what can i do that is better than what other people are doing you know that's almost a separate question i i guess that happens or i've heard tale of that happening in baseball where people are watching the pitcher warm up and saying like oh he his like release angle is different or he's like right you know what i mean something might be wrong occasionally and stuff like that it might be not like oh i go from two percent to three percent roi but like once a month there's a 25% edge that's real right. that the market yeah. doesn't know about it. And I rort whatever once a month. Yeah. Right. Um, do you, um, so yeah, I'm just thinking about this. Do you think like, uh, it could ever be not injury related? Like, so, so say there's a golfer out on the range and I'm yeah. just thinking about my experience on the range. Like, you know, sometimes I hit like, I'm fucking yeah. awful. It sometimes could be that I'm too. Out there he's just like hitting just it well. bad. Do, do professional golfers still have like have that even if they're not injured at all? They're just like having the wrong like swing thought or I don't know. Or, like... But a good thing you could do because they I mean, sometimes you'll see on the broadcast, they'll be like showing Dustin Johnson hit with a shot tracer and it'll show the ball curve and it'll sometimes pop up how far the ball went because they have the track vans on the range and all the players have their own individual ones. So the numbers are already being measured and sometimes they're being, you know, displayed on TV if you could get a feed with every player's number for every shot they hit, I mean, there's probably something you could do with that information alone, not even knowing anything else about them. That would be pretty predictive of that round. You know, maybe he's, um, 
I think one, yeah, it might not be an injury, but say you were mishitting the ball. Like um, they measure smash factor in golf, which is how fast the ball goes divided by how fast the club was going. And it's golf technology is supposed to be manufactured to limit it at 1.5. Sometimes gets like 1.51 measurements or something, but it generally is around 1.5 if you're hitting the ball like maximally on the sweet spot. But maybe he's like, averaging 1.46 in the morning session and golfers that average 1.46 do you know half a stroke worse than golfers that average 1.5 and they're usually averaging 1.5 or guys that hit five plus shots that were under 1.4 or that um went out with an angle of more than five degrees offline um anyway like that sort of information is extremely valuable theoretically i would think i've never seen it um, and it might just be that they're all robots and it's like measuring Steph Curry shoot threes before the game. Like, I don't know. Does he yeah. just make them all the time? Maybe he just makes them all the time and it doesn't well, end up being. That's anything. what I'm asking you. And that's kind of like, well, that's like every, every betting enterprise is you like think about something that might matter and then figure out a way to like accurately um, quantify it in a way that probably involves like months of work or weeks of work or like very hard work and collecting data that doesn't exist and things like that. Um, and then it's, yeah, in golf for me, the answer has always been like, oh, it doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it's hard to find stuff that like, oh, sweet. This is a sick 25% edge that the market doesn't know about. It's usually like, oh yeah, fuck that. That could sad get bet. <laughs> so, so, uh, I guess we, we pretty much covered this, but any other shortcomings on, uh, like your golf modeling that you want to discuss or mm, divulge? No, Probably not, cause, yeah. no, though, I mean, I think it's just, um, Another element that's hard to proxy besides physical health in the minutes before they tee off or the, during the minutes that they're playing the round um, is maybe like effort levels. If you knew, um, I don't know, it seems like there might be two equally good golfers, one who's been on the tour for eight years and is rich and is like whatever, Charles Howell III or Pat Perez or one of those like career. Yeah, but wouldn't um, that be like, sorry to interrupt you, but wouldn't that be like factored into his recent round scores? That would fa be factored into his recent round scores, but it might not be factored in that he has, hasn't practiced more than one hour on any day in the last 60 days uh, because, I don't know, for whatever reason. And maybe golfer, like if we had the practice information, we would find that sometimes it's like priced into the scores, but maybe he's gotten worse than normal over the last 60 days and he hasn't been practiced. Like it might be a oh, compound yeah. factor that um, we're missing the key variable on. Like imagine that we had did a like five golfers were randomly forbidden from practicing throughout the year. Um, we'd be pricing them, betting them, and their rankings would change throughout the season or whatever. The lines would change. We'd be on them, against them. But if we knew that piece of info, um, our fares would be different, right? Like especially the seventh round, if they're getting worse and worse, we might be like, oh, they're definitely not going to get better. Or um, not that it happens where golfers are literally not practicing, but especially with i don't know it's like sometimes they take different off seasons you know um especially like in the january event um the tournament of champions some guys are coming off three weeks in a row from asia some guys like haven't played in three months but sometimes they're good if they haven't played in three months it's just it's hard to know like the it may not matter but that's another incomplete um part of the model where i could see showing a big edge on a guy that like has taken the last few months off or, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I think like 
and that's that's priced in in every way other than like well is he the type of guy when he's off for a while who's you know hanging with the kids or is he like grinding does he have kids i don't know like maybe and another thing i've thought of is like um how good they were as a child like sometimes when you're betting on you know mark hubbard in it's you know it's october in golf when mark hubbard and mackenzie hughes and scott stalling these guys are on top of the leaderboard it's like unbelievable the woodwork that uh comes stuff that comes out of the woodwork in um fall golf yeah um anyway where was i going with that <laughs> no that was good like that's like uh it's a good answer like no, I, I was gonna i was gonna finish something with that though oh, okay um you want to think about it nah gone okay so what's separating you oh what from... i was gonna say is um okay okay yeah, how early they played golf and how good they were at golf at a young age because like mark hubbard Listen, I actually don't know anything about Mark Hubbard other than he um, he uses this really short putter, like the shortest golf putter that any golfer has ever used in the PGA Tour. He uses every round. It like looks like it's like 24 inches long or something, and a normal one's, uh, you know, 35, 34. <laughs> um, I don't know if he was like a great player when he was 8 or 14. Is he tall or, or, or what? He's probably like 6'2", I'd say. I don't know. He doesn't look short. Um, I'm not sure how tall he is. But he, I mean, it's really a goofy sight, and... He's not a particularly good golfer um, in the in the professional sense. Um, I think he's maybe won an event or two, but he's always kind of like going back and forth. But like when you're you have Mark Hubbard on Sunday and you're against like Russell Henley or John Rahm or a golfer that it's like, hmm, this guy like was the world champion at age five, and then he was like making PJ Tour cuts at fourteen, and hmm, it's like the absolute top class versus the others. And I don't know, it's like, it seems to me like there's some element of if you're the world champ at age eight, I just, you should be better than the other guy who wasn't, even when you're 30, right? Even yeah. all else equal, like that seems like it's worth something. So the fact that I that's oftentimes. Just that's just Bayes, bro. You know about Bayes? Okay. Or what are you saying? No. <laughs> uh, Bayes. Oh, I, gotcha. I thought you were saying Bayes. You got priors. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. Okay. I'll go re-listen to the Dean segment on priors and figure out how to account for when they're eight years old. <laughs> no, I was like, actually, like, uh, did you see Rufus's uh, tweet about, like, ba- using Bayes to figure oh, out no. whether or not this girl was cheating in poker? Did you see that thing? <laughs> I don't follow the, uh... Rufus, no. <laughs> no, but did you see the poker thing? Yeah, I did. Um, All right. Is, that's enough. Like, wait, let's wait a second to get to that. Um, okay. Last question on your golf betting. What's separating you from where you are and being the in-boss of golf betting? I don't know. We're about to find out when I uh, start betting this week. So we'll see. This week? Okay. What's the tournament this week? Um, they're playing in Mississippi right it, now. Sunday? But next next week they go to um, – I don't know where they go to next week. Jeez, you don't even know where it is. TPC Summerlin in uh, beautiful Las Vegas. Where, um, oh, okay. I think this is the same as the Las Vegas Open, where Tiger Woods um, won his first professional event. Okay, but it was at a Do you different have any course. Do you have any picks to give out? Well, I, I don't even know the field. <laughs> probably no, probably no lines. Yeah. No, top, but um, uh, but Nick timing. Nick Hardy right now has about a five percent chance of winning this week. Um, Nick Hardy, who's the oh, one tomorrow? of the most legendary, yeah, tomorrow or today. or later this later today. <laughs> He's one of the most legendary Illinois junior golfers of all time. Um, now he's up on, up on the top stage. Good for him. 
Let me let me uh, pull up the uh, leaderboard here. Yeah, so actually, um, I've got one more question about betting before we get into like stupid questions. What's your take on people who bet early, uh, like as their bankroll allows, so they can get down what they need and they move the line? Just like generally, I know it's very very broad, very vague, oh. but. Um, well, I think it's better to do all that and not move the line. And then yeah, it's, um, so why, yeah, I mean, why? it's just a trade off of if you can't well, bet anywhere else, like sometimes if bet online is the only person with golf matchups and like you bet the full limit, like the line's going to move. So sometimes yeah. you just, you have to bet and move the line. Well, um, so, so say you can get everything down that you need to with moving the line. Why is it, why would it be better to not move the line? Because the sports book is going to price on um they now know what a more accurate line was right like if they run their internal model of like what fair is they're probably going to use what it closed last time plus the adjustment so you're just like putting into the information like which sides are good sooner which is unavoidable but also people that are like modeling off the past might know that too so whereas if you were like back testing some 2007 baseball game um you might not be able to get that much information out of the market prices but if you did it today, you might be able to learn like how much a pitcher is worth or how, you know, you might just be able to get a lot more granular info um, because the market's getting to something more accurate. So I think whenever you can for future um, inefficiencies, it's better if the current market is less efficient, um, however that means. But it's yeah. unavoidable that the info is going to get there and you don't want to like go out of your way no. to not get filled. So it's just Agre a no, agreed. balance. No, it's act. really well said though. This is the other thing I would say. There, are, There's like other groups out there, like other people, other groups waiting to bet. And they, they, they probably won't just sit around and like constantly watch people get ahead of them. Eventually they go into the market too and start betting and try to trying to get ahead of people betting early. And then it just becomes a race to the bottom. So right. it's hard to avoid, but if you can avoid that, I think it's it's obviously better, right? Yeah, I think Haralabob has given multiple accurate anecdotes from his past about purposefully um, trying to make the lines worse for future profitability and um, getting filled later um, on bigger sure. amounts at better prices. So there's um, where the market closes and how it moves especially as like people, you know, if there's some smart 18 year old who's tracking line movements, like you can learn a lot from accurate lines moving if you have line histories and you can kind of just let the market teach you um, how much stuff is worth. So that having that tool out there for other people to learn from is dangerous for your um, future competition. Yeah, absolutely. I think Haral Bob like talked once about how his uh they, they like he didn't think kobe was worth as much as the lines were moving initially <laughs> sounds uh, like a BS like story when, to start but continue when, yeah it might be true it might be false but it's like it's still a good example like so when kobe would be ruled out they would like lines would move like four or five points and he would think that they're it's only worth like two and a half points so like if uh the line moves four or five points and you immediately bash it back at two and a half eventually the books and other betters will catch on right so, you know, it's better, like it's hard, but it's better if you can get filled without moving that and like let everybody think that he's worth five points. Yeah, totally. Or even like I could see Haralabob do it. Like it could be a, that's why the, 
the non super liquidity, the non uber liquidity of sports betting could be nice. I mean, Haralbab could even, if you had some influence, like bet the wrong side there once it gets to four and make it go to five yeah. and a half instead or something. Like there's a, when the markets are moving, sometimes they can really go um, in mm-hmm. various directions. And I feel like the, most of the great betters are not like, you have to take, that's, it's unlikely you're going to find some great 25% edge by knowing which golfers are injured. And it's much more likely you can just bet the wrong side and make it 25%. And then, you know, I feel like uh, Billy Walters, all the stories of him and his group are like the same idea is like, they had really good numbers, um, but it was on college basketball totals and shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like we're in agreement. I just like, it's, it's like, well, it's usually used as in-group, out-group bashing, like uh, to just signal status. So that's, I mean, I don't know. It's not, I feel like it's not too controversial, but if you want to hate on poorer people or like be a better, better, <laughs> bigger, better, then you can just be like, oh, you know, you're ruining this tiny market, you tiny player. Um, no, I'm not hating. I'm not, I'm not actually not hating on those. No, no you're not, hating. but that's a common thing I see. And then some people defend it and it's almost like, well, you're kind of, you know, the point here is to make money betting, not to you know, belong to some class of better that does or doesn't. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I guess my point, like my, like I would question whether it's, it's, it might, you know, it might be better to like, you know, if you can get filled right at the open, but you think that you can wait a little bit and maybe get down without moving the screen, I think it's probably better to try to, uh, to wait. You know what I mean? Like if you knew that you can't wait at all, yeah, obviously just go and get filled. But I think like people overlook the, uh, the art of, you know, not messing it up for other people because that it's not just about other people like that can eventually come back on you. Does that make sense? Or am I just kind of. Yeah, that makes sense. Sorry. I had my mute on. Oh, no problem. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, all right. Uh, do you want to ask me anything? Um, yeah, I mean, I know you're always full of questions whenever we do these here. Wait, let me, can I pause this recording right now? Yeah, absolutely. You're a master editor. (laughs) That's the perfect way to start it. Okay. This is a transition and now we're into part two of the podcast. Hmm. Yeah. Let's recap the, uh, TVWC podcast dinner that we had, uh, couple months ago yeah was that late july yeah july 27th i think it was Mm -hmm. yeah we ended up doing a wednesday because uh, that was the only day sibo (laughs) sibo could make he had had two days he could make the 27th or 28th um and then someone else could only make the 27th so i picked the 27th and neither of them came nice very cool sibo sibo said he was 100 percent in but as you should know, when you translate that to real world <laughs> probabilities, like it comes out more like 50, 50. <laughs> yeah. I know you got, yeah, you definitely got to regress that to market. Yeah. Regress it to the mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was a fun dinner. Uh, what did you think of the had, food? Food was all right. I don't yeah, know. I thought I it was so like high. pretty, pretty, eh. you had, you had uh, we so yeah we we were hitting your weed pen like going outside and hitting your weed pen. I don't really smoke very much. Uh, you certainly did I, that I, night. <laughs> I was hot. Yeah, I was so fucking high. I don't like. Yeah, and I like 
don't remember anything after yeah, like I 11, 11 p.m. Yeah, it was, um, I felt like they treated us pretty poorly at the restaurant, which um, it was kind of unfortunate because they made a big deal about um, how many people we were going to have at the reservation when I booked it in April for July 27th. And they were like, well, if you have eight, uh, you can book it through the regular system. But if you have nine or more, you have to go to the special requests reservation system or something. That's a different person. I can give you her email. And I was like, okay, well, you know, we have nine. So I guess I'll talk to the special person. And we had to put like a credit card deposit down, but it was for like $100 or something. You know, it was just kind of weird. Um, just a nine person dinner being so uh, planned. But anyway, there was an email chain. And then we showed up with six. So they were kind of like, and um, pe some people were maybe more or less sober than various other restaurant guests. So it was, um, yeah, no, they were I just kind of out on us from the get-go. But I thought that we did, that translated we did, uh... to the service. They were basically like telling us to go fuck ourselves the whole meal. Like, you don't like oh. it? Okay, fine, leave. Like, they were not trying to make us uh, felt like... I didn't, I didn't know that context. Yeah, that makes sense, though. I mean, I'm just, that's what I'm throwing out there. I'm not positive that's what happened, but that's kind of how it felt to me. That's a, you know, a little bit exaggerated, maybe a little narrativized version of how it felt. When we but did we definitely did have roulette. six for nine, and she looked at us like. When, when we did a credit card roulette, I went up to our waiter and I said, hey, you got to watch because the loser is going to, like, try to get out of here. So you guys, you got to get security ready. Wait. and when you said this were you joking or were you being serious that one i was trying might... to be serious but he didn't take me seriously but so. were you you were being serious that you thought one of us might actually no no no, oh. no. i was just fucking with him i was trying <laughs> to get him to like okay. he was he just like laughed so yeah that's a tough uh, one i think who who lost that i think it was shipper yeah shipper ship the justice Yeah, I don't remember any any more of that night. <laughs> um, yeah, it was um, the food. Yeah, the food at Rosemary was the name of the place in Chicago, which kind of gets um, gets hyped a lot. So it might have just been they brought us the worst dishes, kind of at the end of the night in the corner. It was okay, but um, definitely wasn't worth the hype that it that I've seen it get. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the how? As someone who doesn't usually smoke. How how's the pen making you feel, or how would how'd you behave differently, or other than um, north of eleven p.m. being a little iffy? Uh, hit, I mean, it hit me really fast. I take edibles sometimes now, but uh, it, yeah, it hit me way faster than the uh, edibles, and like uh, it just I was way higher, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> kind of the, the, <laughs> that's just how it went. Okay, respect. Yeah. I just remember like trying to like fuck with the uh, time and change for a while. Like yeah, we were, he's like, pretty tough. To, pretty tough guy to pull that on though. I wonder if you were succeeding. Don't really remember. <laughs> Hit me, dog. What else you got? Um. Whew. So did you bet yesterday, college football, today, for you? Yeah, yeah, I did. How, how'd it go? You must have won, right? I lost. Oh, <laughs> big or small? It ended up being like kind of small, but it looked like it was going to be big. Yeah. Like in the middle of the day. What uh, was it like? Split between sides and totals? 
Uh, let me see. Yeah, probably like 50-50. Um, yeah, probably about a little bit more totals and sides. Yeah, I had um, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to talk about bad beats. Never mind. Okay. New and improved. Chat mm-hmm. M three. Well, no, those those aren't like good. That's not good content. Yeah. Bad beats. Tough. College football's uh. Yeah, I had a really really bad stretch of college football the last time I bet it, where I feel like I have physical pain of like looking at um scoreboards and stuff you know like, it, yeah. like it's literally painful to i'm like having flashbacks to you know i think i have bowling green and they're down 55 three <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean just like stuff where it's like oh my god like i'm just i'm already it's already dead <laughs> or yeah. i bet this under in central florida and it's 21 to nothing um seven minutes into the game or you know <laughs> that it's mostly yeah. because my college football stuff was um pretty pretty unsophisticated but that market is nice because that's kind of the benefit to betting at the beginning is you don't even really need to know what you're doing and you can still win, um, which was definitely the case for me betting college football for um, a few years. <laughs> but like, it must be hard to be really good at college football, right? No. Are you ever betting um, like within the hour of kick or I presume no? Maybe once a week. I did. I did this week. I and bet, what kind um, of games is it? Is it like there's just been a lot of steam, and that's just the low point of the line on the week, and you're betting it, or? Uh, let me check. This. So I bet Colorado Arizona over fifty seven today, and uh, I don't know what it was all week. I could uh, pull that up, but like there's other stuff. Like I bet FSU today, like minus six, and it didn't close. So could have had it at post. Because no one agreed. Um, but yeah, like I'll, I'll I'll like add stuff on game day if I like feel really strong. Yeah, feel really strongly about it. I just opened spank odds and the fucking uh, girl voice popped yeah. up. Yeah, how do you disable that? Do you know? I don't think you can because you can't disable on. the the sound until you it's open already, <laughs> and you have to get past that screen to open it. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, I don't think there's – yeah, I usually don't add stuff on game day, but I felt like this this Arizona over was solid enough, I suppose. Um, This year, actually, I've been, like, betting more stuff in baseball uh, game day, like after, like, like, bowl limits, too. (laughs) So – why? Why is that funny? <laughs> I was laughing at the welcome to spank odds thing came up on my screen with this uh, cartoon oh, yeah. girl getting spanked. <laughs> this is a, mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, sports betting, the business we've chosen. Yep. Real products, real people. I was saying this. Um, how much do you think that this uh, this launch dot JNLP is worth? It's probably worth like 20 million bucks, right? This uh, spank odds. It, like this is like a valuable piece of software. Yeah, I think so. I, I think they'll think. probably. I wonder how hard I, it was to build. Like, um, I don't know. Well, you know what I mean? It's just like the simple program and it does this thing and it already existed and it's like the same thing, but it's, yeah. I'm curious if someone else could make something like this or how they, how the feeds work with, you know, I wonder how much of it's relationship based versus like, this is just a program that is worth a lot of money. <laughs> Right. I think a lot of it is relationship based. Like it sounds, it sounds like, uh, getting the feeds are, is uh, really helpful. 
Yeah, it must because some of this, I mean, who I don't even know what some of these uh, places are. Right. Like what? HRAC. Oh. <laughs> no, the, I don't know what that is. The CDSP, the WYB, TWI. It's WinBet. WIB, I think, is WinBet. Okay. Wow. I just disable all those. Like, oh, yeah. Well, I, I haven't really used it that much. Um, let's see. Arizona, which, what, what's the over you had? 57. On Arizona State? Arizona. Colorado, Arizona. I don't see this. Football tab? Uh, 169, 170. Oh, yeah. Nice. And it gets there. Close at the end? I I don't know. We were out. Uh, oh. Wow. How do you how do you handle the score checking when you're out and you have like a lot of action? Are you checking the phone every five minutes or just kind of yeah. see what happens? Yeah, for sure. Checking checking a lot. Checking more than I'd want to. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> what about if you're with like your uh, parents or family or something? Like, are you checking it? Yeah. Then. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's really like hard to break. Yeah. And I want to, but you know, what about you? Um, it's hard. I don't know. Um, during college, it's really hard, you know, because it's like, you kind of got to turn your phone off, especially when I'm betting. Like I'm usually betting like significant amounts of my bankroll on stuff. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like I always have a lot of action. Like I'm either not betting or I have a lot of action on. So Mm -hmm. it's tough if I'm, yeah, I try to not look at it, but tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just brutal. Like sometimes when you, and then when it's not like it's even, it's better. Cause then if you don't look at it and you, I've, I did that before because when I first started, I was like, oh, I just won't look. That's better. But then you have like a huge losing day when you don't look. Um, I was checking basketball in Australia <laughs> this, um, that year when I was in terrible time zones betting college basketball. And I was down like 39% of my bankroll, like in the the four hour window of games or something. I was driving and um, yeah, I like didn't check for four hours and then I checked and it's like, oh, gone 39%. So yeah, so it's tough. Yeah, it's just, it's nice to ease into it and like update it. I have, I like, I'll sweat my stuff, um, but like change the equity on the sheet so that like my bankroll is like updated, you know, in equity terms. That's kind of nice. Um, especially when you have like hundreds of golf bets going. Um, but then when you like ungrade an 80% winner to a loser and it's like, Oh yeah. Or feel, or you've been betting with the winner the whole week or you've been betting with the equity. Yeah. It's tough when those bets don't win is the, is the moral tough to tough to ever get used to that. Would you ever join the Hammer Betting Network? <laughs> I I don't know. What is the Hammer Betting Network? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the new uh, like action network, but it's like run by like uh, Pozzola. Okay. How did what do they and sell? The Betstamp, Betstamp boys. Uh, I don't. I like just content. They don't sell anything yet. How does or so? I mean, is the idea you make something and then sell it to the action network, or like how do they? Um, I assume they're. You really don't know. You haven't heard about this. You haven't seen this at all. 
I don't like fuck. I mean, you're asking me about unabated discords and like Pozzola <laughs> stuff. I don't follow this shit, you know, like I don't, I just don't follow that stuff. It's not a part no, of it. No, I hear you. Yeah. No, it's just like another like co- sports betting content network. Yeah. So like you would like, uh, no, I, I'm asking you, I hear that. And I'm saying like, how does one profit from creating a sports betting content network? I'm just thinking about like, might be a good idea. Like the spank odds is like, that's just valuable building that. Is this valuable to make some network or what do they, how do they make money or, you know, who, who buys them? I think eventually they can like maybe run ads on their network or some shit. I don't know. Okay. Like uh, how does content ever how is content ever monetized, right? I think you sell the, you sell your podcast to like Barstool Sports or whatever. Oh yeah, you, you know what yeah, I mean? You like can do some, that. Something like that. Or, or you could Media Labs buys. Didn't like someone sell the Action Network for like? Didn't Stucky like sell the Action Network for like a hundred million dollars or something? And someone was saying <laughs> that Three Man Weave like they could sell their website. Like I think there's a lot of um, yeah, well, small so it type like shots you know about- where well, I'm asking yeah. you for some info. Yeah, I guess I know more than you about it. <laughs> I was looking for but, some, no, but, some more yeah, info. You, you brought it up, it. You, Chuck. No, you you <laughs> you can sell it, but where like the people that are buying it, how are they going to monetize it eventually? Yeah, so no, I don't know. Are... Oh well, I mean, ultimately, it's probably not worth very much, right? <laughs> it's kind of like yeah, spank well, odds is like ultimately in the grand scheme of things, like you know not worth very much. It's just replicating something, but it's worthwhile well, in that it could be sold. Um, and I'm assuming that the hammer network odds. or whatever, if you're bringing it up is probably not like, should I, I don't know, should I drop what I'm doing and start paying attention to what, what they're talking about? No, no. <laughs> I've no, been known I mean, to uh, entertain some um, taking random internet accounts seriously. Would but, you do, um, would you do golf content for them? No, fuck no. Why not? I don't even know what this is. What What are you saying? Why not? I have to say why not for something I don't even know what it is, and nor do you. <laughs> My answer to everything is no. You know. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I wouldn't do it either. Anyway. So, so should we get our own? Uh, you and me get the business we've chosen network going. We don't know, uh, sound like we know too much about the economics, and I would only be interested in it for the money. Yeah, what were we talking What's about? What's that? Um, that um, I always see ads for you better, you bet, which always is like, are the it's just really this limit increase shit too on spank odds. I mean, that's why I don't have this thing open that much. It's just popping up noises at me all the time. You can mute that. Yeah, gotta gotta get in the spank odds lab. Yeah, figure that out. Uh, anyway. You better, you bet is just like an, another podcast i think yeah but that guy must it's on like four hours a day every day or something what the, what do, what are these people talking is about it? i don't know i always I see like yeah. a tweet and it's like from three to seven it's on <laughs> it's like it's like mike and mike in the morning or something you know like those guys did four hours a day yeah well yeah like that's the future of sports betting it's like yeah. all that shit but for sports betting i guess that's I tough i can't even imagine watching it but i guess people do you know i was watching um you mentioned this earlier, but I was watching the Joe Ingram stream last night when I was working of the his cheating investigation or whatever it was that you were talking about. And it kind of looked like uh, very futuristic, you know, like TV, like there was a comment thing in the sidebar going crazy. And 
there were like ads for stuff everywhere. And it was like talking about some weird stream, but like it's for a lot of money and a lot of people are watching. And I was like, this is also weird and low quality, but it's like being, you know, shared with a lot of people. Um, but, and everyone was like, this is just totally normal. You know, I feel like up to this one, Joe Ingram was usually like, man, this is crazy. We got this different thing going. We got this going, but this, he was like, <laughs> it was just, it was like, bro, this is just what you do now. I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, there's like I, I online can't... sorts of chat on the side, Twitch type when it's a professional doing it that way, but it's like so low quality, but it's really, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Mm. Yeah, I can't. I can't really listen to anything Joe Ingram does anymore. He just yeah. passes out. Like, He's so tough. Much. This one was. Um, <clears throat> this one was. He was mostly watching the. I like it when he's watching. The thing it's that like he's commenting video on, of you know? him watching another video. <laughs> yeah, I saw right, it was like they, nine hours long. Yeah, I saw the first like forty-five minutes, and then I uh, was turning it off and going to sleep. And it was like, holy shit, this is nine hours and forty-six minutes or something like. That guy's crazy. I mean, he's really, um, he's really got a unique energy to him. Mm-hmm. He never like ends up opining on anything, like because he's so afraid to offend anybody. He's just like whatever. Yeah, well, he he's got to he stay close with everyone, right? He keeps it close to the vest. I think. Yeah, I like Polk better. Polk's, Polk Polk did a really nice uh, breakdown. He's so what of, do you Polk think? Kind of like a little, Polk's kind of a little cringy though, because. I don't know. He's he's also like, what's the deal with his like hair all the time? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's kind of like a news anchor. Where does he just like wake up every day and spend like, like no, he looks good and it looks professional, but it's like, it's kind of weird to have that be such a big part of your life. Um, whereas I kind of like that Joe Ingram's just like that's just what he's like. You know, there's kind of no filters. Um, not that filters are necessarily bad. Like Doug Polk's stuff looks better. It's just I wonder what Doug Polk's life is all about. Um, Plus, like, the classic poker retirement to then come back, which, like, every single poker player that, like, makes it big and is like, I'm going to go on to the next stage of my life, but then, like, realizes there is no next stage of their life, so then just comes back to doing it, but, like, half-ass, I don't know, it's, Polk is kind of weird in that way. But I did watch his thing, and, um, yeah, it was funny. He was very treading lightly. I, I remember the good old days when he was always, like, just firing shots at everyone, but I guess that coin flex thing really, yeah. hurt his his shot taking capabilities um for sure yeah i think it's like i think it's like just let her keep playing right like this girl has moved up in stakes and has won a lot of money playing on these streams and like has done some weird stuff so now it's like okay well let's let her play another 100 times like if she's good she'll win like it's no big deal but if all of a sudden like she's not playing anymore or she never wins again or like this is the last thing anyone hears of her it's like that girl is definitely not winning at poker um playing poker like she's you know there's she's either losing money playing poker or is cheating and making money playing poker so i don't know which of those it is but it's pretty cool and i think it's i don't know it's like that's what that's kind of like having range video of golfers for poker in that it's like if you're really trying to win like can you want to actually win like i don't know i'm curious what the i like too how polk was like Okay, so the evidence that we have is so like someone knows what the cards are, <laughs> so that's the that's what we're gonna assume. And then it was like, bro, you literally have no evidence. It's kind of funny how like we can be sure we can all reasonable people can all be sure that like she's not a winning player or she's cheating and winning. You know what I mean? 
Um, mm. But nobody actually knows how it's happening, or I don't know, maybe someone does. Um, but the logistics of how it's happening seem very interesting. I like that sort of like uh, deep, deep um, intel stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think like somewhat like uh, Polk's video, his recent video, he like zoomed in on the chair vibrating, like her chair vibrating, like okay. when she's thinking. And then as soon as it stops, but it seems like, and she has those face, those facial expressions that she has while she's like thinking, like everything about her screams, I'm cheating. And just like the nonsense that comes out of her mouth. Um, very, very, um, every sign points to cheating, but I wonder what is the vibrating even doing? Like, how do you know what cards there are? Like, do all the cards have an RFID chip that can be read by the table so the stream knows what cards everyone has and you can just hack into that system to see where all the cards are or something like that sounds so complicated yeah i i don't i don't know exactly and how would you know that like it's the 20th card not the 21st card you you would have to differentiate between like the thickness of a playing card you know like wouldn't it if you knew their location what you know i don't even know how you would map that onto what order they're in it just sounds um, mm. sounds complicated. I would I wish that the Polk video had done more like instead of, okay, so like someone knows the cards. It's like, wait, how, how do they know the cards? <laughs> that sounds like a valuable skill in poker to have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I like, I guess like, uh, I think I heard him, he said that uh, the, the RFID was hacked, could, could have been hacked into. That was yeah. one uh, theory put forth yeah no that sounds like a totally reasonable theory but i just would like to know what like steps zero one and two are for like how someone hacks into an RFID. you know right I'm having trouble figuring out how i start doing this in my local poker room um yeah they were playing for a lot of money huge big blinds and i guess everyone's now saying that that garrett adelstein guy is like what is he the end boss of poker or something i guess yeah. live, live poker it must um I don't know. That seems impossible that that guy could be like the end boss of anything, unless he's the end boss because he's like famous and can get into good games, but like knows how to, I don't know. It's kind of weird, you know? Mm -hmm. And then why not crush online? Is it like, Oh, he, it seems like he's a live specialist or like you can't get in that big a game online or someone like, well, that game is really good. That game that he's in, Live. Right, so he just has like good game selection, right? It's not like he's well. I don't know like if that's the like the boss. extent of it. Okay. No, he might. Also but he's also very good. good. Yeah, he seems like he's um, sharp on um, high stakes poker, but also like I don't know. Yeah, Jungle Man. That guy seems more like you know kind of crazy enough to where I don't know, but he's pretty crazy. I don't know what his deal is either. Those poker guys are all kind of. Uh, it's kind of nice to watch the Joe Ingram videos just for a little bit, but I can't imagine if. Um, I was in like the pro poker circle instead of the pro sports betting circle. It's just, uh, it's a lot more intense <laughs> poker, you know, so much how's, more how's gen up? and um, like crazy oh, hours yeah. and a bunch of just like dirty guys. And it's just a lot, it's just a lot dirtier. Right? I don't know. It's like <laughs> a bunch of like dirty, sweaty guys. I've, I've had this world series of poker main event and like all the, there was like one girl left with 200 people left. Um, she wasn't exactly the most feminine looking lady I've ever seen, but uh, it's a pretty rough group. I mean, it seems like it might be a stinky room to be in. You know, a lot of these guys are real yeah. uh, questionable looking characters. Yeah, that's that's all I really got about um, poker rooms.
Doug Polk. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah, I don't like know for sure that she's cheating, but I guess like if I had to bet, I would bet on cheating. No, but would you, okay. So here's the challenge that she's going to play a hundred more games at the hustler casino or whatever that place is called. And she's either going to be a winner or a loser at the end. Um, and you're going to bet that she's a winner. Like what you, it's just no chance, right? Like if we do some test to where a good winning player would pass, there's just no chance that she would pass. Is that agreed upon? Unless she's cheating. Right? Oh, right. Or yeah. Or she's cheating. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that seems like what can be agreed upon is that like the only way she could be winning is by cheating. So she's either losing or cheating. Yeah. Yeah. And she was up and like, all it's funny. Sessions. So what's the deal? He got, he got Garrett got like backlash for um, saying that she was cheating or something. It's pretty funny. <laughs> well, yeah. Like uh, I get, you know, he like, she gave him the money back. Like, right. He, I think yeah, she's just nervous and that. she got caught cheating. Right. I don't know. It's um. R- right. Right. But I'm, like he accept that he accepted it was a, was a big thing. That oh, that he shouldn't with. have accepted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. I mean, I, I hope he doesn't, uh, hope he doesn't give into that sort of nonsense too much. Hope he kind of can hold strong. And, and people were, were saying like the game is so good that even if you knew she was cheating, it's not really worth it to like mess up your standing in the game. Oh, but does it? It's probably you could get it more out. popular than ever, right? I don't know. Tough and then it's like, oh, you hurt your future profitability. That doesn't seem like quite as big a dig jab. Yeah. That guy's got good. Uh, he's got a lot of hair product going pretty constantly too, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Him and Polk are pretty. Definitely. They know they know how to style. I mean, that's what you got to do, right? They look they look pretty good, I'd say, both of them. Yeah, sure. But it's like the first thing I get out of them is like, okay, so you're someone for for whom looking good like matters a lot. You know, like I was on a Survivor season, Garrett. What? He was on Garrett. the show Survivor, the CBS reality What's... drama where they go to an island for thirty nine days. Yeah, sure. When, when, like, what year? Season like twenty, maybe like two thousand and fifteen, um, and he was one of the first people voted out. He might have been the first person voted out. Um, uh, his tribe, like, hate they divided into smaller groups, and I think there were maybe uh, three groups of six, and they just didn't like him. Hmm. Tough, tough, tough when it goes that way in Survivor. It was yeah. funny though because he was totally like, "I'm a poker player. I'm all about strategy." And like in Survivor, the um, it's basically a random show, and it's made more random by the producers like eliminate advantages um, for certain people, so it becomes even more random. So it's just a random show. It's not a show where like a poker player has skill. But every poker player that goes on, um, there's a clip of them on the show saying, "Well, I'm a poker player, so I think I've got strategic skill." And he's like smiling at the tribal council like ten seconds before he gets voted out. And then it's like he realizes he's going to get voted out. And it's like, oh, <laughs> pretty funny. Jean Robert, um, that guy on High Stakes Poker, he went on to. It was a little bit different. He didn't say, like, I'm a poker player. I'm going to out strategy everyone. He uh, He's just a huge guy. So he was getting, like, really underfed and tired and, like, hot. So he was just, like, sitting around all day doing nothing and, like, sleeping and was claiming it was part of, like, his bigger strategy, but he couldn't explain like why he, and he was just being lazy. Uh, and then he got voted out pretty early too. <laughs> pretty funny. The things people will tell themselves. 
So what do you want to talk about, Rick? You you scheduled this pod. I'm here. What what's what do you got? You want to? Uh, we're an hour in. I mean, are you feeling good? You want to keep going? I got nothing to do today, so um, I'm just waiting for Nick Hardy to get on the TV and see if he can win a PGA Tour event. Uh, yeah, not another eight or nine hours. Should probably get to bed soon. Okay. It's like six here. Um. Yeah, I think I covered everything. Uh, Mary Fuck Kill, Amrata, Neil Long, Catherine Lynch. Neil Long? Yeah. Who the hell is Neil Long? Is. Uh, never mind. Maybe that one's not so good. I Googled it you... and I don't get anything. <laughs> is the Fed, do you think the Fed is on the right course currently? I can rates. I think that. Good? The meta level that you have to understand with the Federal Reserve, even if you understand nothing, is that the idea that there is some objective that can be achieved, picking it and doing it. And with the Federal Reserve specifically, um, they try to pick nominal targets that they can achieve. And where some intelligent Fed criticism exists, I would say, is not holding them to the standard of actually doing the job. And if you try to get, say, 2% inflation, which is what they target, and you are then predicting 1% for the next year, like that's wrong. Like you should be predicting 2%. And if you're not, change stuff today so that you are predicting 2%. So like an, an, a real effort to try, um, which I think is is something worth doing. But I think that the Federal Reserve is making it clear, even to professional com commenters for years, like Scott Sumner, a very smart guy. Um, it's like the Fed is a very political process that certain things are more allowable than others. And there's incentive structures for certain people to become in charge than others. Um, so it's, it's tough to kind of take a hard line stance um, on achieving something and do it like doing whatever it takes as the famous terminology goes. Right. So, so yeah, like, um, but right the U S does a great job, right? Like the U S has a, a better, um, probably, a one of the better systems, maybe the best systems around of picking a target and trying to achieve it and um, then achieving it. And are you, is the target you're picking even worth achieving? Well, that's more of a philosophical question or a, kind of a separate question, but, um, it is, it would be nice to kind of have, a have a more explicit target being more explicitly done and just say, Hey, this is what we do. Um, but tricky to do that. So, and I will say that almost anything at a, another meta heuristic that you can just use. If you ever hear someone talking about the federal reserve, it's almost impossible that they have any idea what they're talking about. Almost impossible. I understand that I'm currently talking about it right now. But at least this is my voice on a podcast. It's more likely to be right. Um, <laughs> but anything about the Federal Reserve is just, you could remove the Federal Reserve from whatever the person's saying and they would still think the same thing because the Federal Reserve probably does not relate to what they're thinking. So it's a good clue. Like, I don't need to listen to this person very much. And it gets a lot of uh, engagement, which is, so it's kind of, it's people that don't know what they're talking about that are profitably using that skill, which is, I don't want to let anyone profit from that. If I can have my say in it. 
So right now, say the Fed is predicting 5.5% inflation for next year. What do they – that's obviously wrong, right? They should be predicting 2%. Yeah. So what do they what what do they need to do that they're not doing? Because it seems like they've been. It's pretty a hard aggressive. question because um, the the credibility of the communications is kind of like one of the key parts, and that's why central banking is so difficult. And like the literature on this is very extensive. It's very diff like it's valuable and difficult to be credible um, and say things you believe. And like for example, the Federal Reserve um, announced that they were going to do average inflation targeting. So rather than targeting 2% inflation, they were going to target 2% inflation over a multi-year bucket. Um, but then they showed no intention of delivering on this, or there has been above target inflation without a commitment to make the average, you know, the target. So it's, it's just tricky to, to believe what they will do. And that influences what needs to be done, right? Because their central banking and credibility can kind of be self-fulfilling promises um, where like Scott Sumner would say, theoretically, Jay Powell could just say inflation's going to be 2%. And if he really meant it, it would happen. Do you know what I mean? Because now we can plan around a 2% target and the market can kind of enforce that. Um, but it's, it's very complicated. Like, what sh should they do? Well, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. Like, um, and with central banking, it's, um, it's tricky because of the, how much the communications matter, how, what you're going to do in the future and what you're actually going to do. You know, are you really going to target average inflation or like is 3% the same as 2%? Or like if it goes to 2.5, are you going to try to make the next period 1.5 to offset? Because um, those are two different policies. And so like the markets will expect a mix of them um so it's just tricky to i think powell's done a very good job though and predecessors have done a good job it's just a high bar and no one's ever um kind of successfully done it um for a long time and it might not be possible to have the um political power to do so so i don't know it's hard hard to know i'd be interested if um like scott sumner who's been a very vocal critic but like very intelligent critic of the fed um, I'd be interested like, to see someone like that try to run the Fed or um, get on the board because it's not, I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy, but um, it seems like you could kind of position yourself for it, especially in the future, or get on a couple podcasts. You know, I think David Beckworth, it might, might not be impossible that he would um, be on the FOMC. So I don't know. Um, it'd be interesting to see if someone could just... Um, you know, pick their nominal chart, target, achieve it, and credibly signal they will in the future and do it. Um, I don't know. Hard to know what is needed to get that level of credibility and, yeah, alignment. Okay. Good explanation. Yeah. You have sent me the famous um, cartoon of the guy saying... Divide that by the Fed balance sheet. <laughs> you, sir, are dumb. Do you remember that one? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I uh, my old boss talked a lot about the Fed, and um, I didn't know anything about the Fed until uh, my second job and my second and final job in options trading. And then I just started reading about it all the time and reading a lot of like little economics, like you know, fifteen-page papers by some 
person, like those uh, little PDF things. And you quickly can understand that like, oh, okay. Like almost all the commentary is so, so foolish. And then there's some that's very good. Like that David Beckworth podcast good. And he has like guys who are on the fed go on and pretty high level, but there's also a lot of low level <laughs> commentary and like any, yeah. Anytime you get into the politics area and it's like something that everyone is willing to talk about, um, you're going to broaden the level of discourse to include <laughs> some lower level stuff probably. Mm. Well. I think that's it. Calling to sleep, Rick? Is this all we got? Yeah. All right. I sent you a message like 20 minutes ago. Asking right. if could... Actually, it was 10 minutes ago. I see. Yep. Sorry. I um, no, okay. yeah, I got this new computer and Telegram is like uh, the app on a Mac. It just doesn't seem to work very well. So then I go to the web version, but then it breaks like, fine. Alright. Emergency pod is wrapping up.